G'day, Sports by Fry fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Monday evening coming at you. I hope you had a great weekend. Five things on the agenda today in this bite-sized Sports Bee episode. We're going to be hitting the airwaves again on Wednesday with J-Lo to do our big hour-long podcast. But there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. A couple of footy things from over the weekend couple of other Australians who I want to touch on in the sporting world and an interesting topic once again involving the Cleveland Browns. So like I said, bite-sized episode today, nice little short quick hit one. Let's dive right into it. I ended the last podcast talking about fantasy, so let's start this podcast with fantasy from an AFL standpoint. Uh I'm glad there's only a couple of weeks left. It's been a testing back half of the season for the large fries and Coke. And once again, last weekend saw me slide about 400 spots in the rank. So nothing too dramatic, but just consistently below average for my team. 21.92 is what I managed to score in round 21. And I'd be very petrified to know how my team was going if I didn't have Rory Laird in my lineup. That bloke has been a absolute savior. So he was my skipper. Wasn't able to cash in Andy Brayshaw's 109. Wasn't satisfied. So, yeah, thank God for Rory Laird as my captain. There wasn't too many, like, massive scores around the park. So I had a couple of hundreds, but they were all really low ones. So, yeah, I didn't crack the 2-2, and I'm sitting just at about 6,000. So not where I want to be. And I've got a couple of blokes who are really killing me. I'm looking back now at my Ben Keys trade-in. I got a bit stingy. I should have just paid up the extra 70 grand for Zach Merritt or a little bit more for Callum Mills or Jack Steele. I did that about a month ago now, maybe five weeks. If I had have gone down that route instead of going for Ben Keys, things might have been a bit different. The ruck department continues to cause me a bit of turmoil as well. I've still got Sean Darcy plugged into one of my ruck spots, and Timmy English has been floating there for a, a number of weeks, and he's been all right. But between Sean Darcy and Darcy Cameron, the rucks haven't been getting it done, and... There is news that Brody Grundy is going to be ruled out for the rest of the season. So Darcy Cameron may score in healthy doses to end the year, but oh, I don't know. I still feel like I need to get rid of the bloke. So I'm probably going to offload two of those underperformers. I think Sean Darcy survives for me. Maybe that's my Fremantle bias kicking in, but what I'd love to do is potentially turn uh, Darcy Cameron into, I don't know, there's nothing great. Jaden Stevenson doesn't, jump out to me, but I might be able to get Dane Zorko if I get a bit fancy and move a couple of pieces around. So Darcy Cameron to Dane Zorko does free up enough money for me to potentially turn Ben Keys into Clayton Oliver. I was on the record saying he was going to have a massive game on the weekend and boy, oh boy, did he deliver. Max Gorn as well. He is back. His huge 152 off the dome was the biggest score of the round. So I think Max Gorn will be a popular trade target this week. For those coaches that don't have him, and obviously Darcy Cameron or an underperforming ruck, maybe Riley O'Brien sitting there, people will probably flick him out. I do have my eyes on Brad Crouch, though. He was a bloke that Jake's given a little bit of shine to in our uh, other episodes of the pod, but he actually owns the highest three-round average in the comp, and he's been elite in fantasy circles. So I don't think I can get all the way up to him. Oh, no, I might be able to actually on second thought. He's about the same price as Clayton Oliver. So I might even go down that route, go something really unique just to try and potentially get a leg up on some of the other coaches. Uh, it'll be 
interesting to see what team selection throws on Thursday. Uh, I don't think too many people are going to be trading in cash cows, but if they are, you might be bringing in Elijah Hollands. I know that he's already inflated quite a bit, and those people that didn't trade him in or start with him in their signs probably missed the boat, but that bloke had a massive outing. He was on about 90 or close to 100 early in the uh, midway through the third quarter, roughly. Didn't exactly carry it on, but he finished with 118, and I'm doing my second last Cash Cows article of the season uh, on Wednesday, so I'm going to talk a little bit about him, but I don't think too many blokes, like I said, will be bringing in rookies. But yeah, Elijah Hollands deserves a bit of recognition for what he's been doing. Hopefully, the couple of the blokes who are rumoured to be playing do just stay on ice for the rest of the season. So then that way, they're nice and cheap for when 2023 comes around. All right, enough fantasy. Let's talk actual footy. And I want to talk a little bit about the Carlton Blues for the second topic. They might miss the eight, which I've been on the record saying I've never been a huge believer of them. They've had some serious injury issues that have derailed a lot of their season. And Patrick Cripps is now potentially going to be out after copying a two-game ban for his hit on Calamarchi. They've already got a couple of other injury woes in the midfield. We've heard that uh, George Hewitt has been dealing with a back issue the last couple of weeks. Matt Kennedy missed uh, round 21 as well. So the sky is falling from a Carlton standpoint. And the games against Melbourne and Collingwood to close the season are pretty important games all of a sudden. They're sitting in seventh and they do kind of control their own destiny because a couple of the teams below them have to win out if they're going to challenge Carlton to steal a spot inside the top eight. I think it's fair to say that Richmond are the team that everyone believes will push themselves either further up the ladder or lock into the top eight. St. Kilda, I don't have a ton of trust in, but the Bulldogs, just quietly, they're only a couple of percentage points behind the Blues. They're two wins behind them, though, so they need to make sure that they take care of business in their final two games, which is no certainty because they're another team that's shown plenty of promise and hasn't been able to deliver. They've obviously this weekend go up against uh, GWS. So that'll be an interesting game that they should win. And then rolling into the last game, uh, last round of the season, they take on Hawthorne in Tasmania. So the Doggies may be able to cause an upset and push the Blues out, which is a bit of a shame because Carlton's first half of the season, I think from memory, they were eight and three or somewhere abouts. And again, a couple of injuries have hurt them, but luckily they banked a couple of those wins in the first half of the year. So they are still sitting in the top eight. But it's not looking too safe. And gun to my head, I think they lose against Melbourne and Collingwood. And the Bulldogs probably should beat Hawthorne and GWS. So there's a lot of ramifications that will happen over the next couple of weeks with regards to the results from the remaining two rounds of the home and away season. Sydney's a team that surged up the ladder. They won five on the trot and are looking like they're genuine flag threats. Do I say it? Are they flag threats? I don't know. It's tough. I don't really view them as genuine premiership contenders. I think I've said a couple of times this season, I view them as a tier two contender in quotation marks, but the top eight and the structure of it's going to get very funky. And I'm going to have a lot of my eyesight and my uh, footy fandom, uh, my footy bandwidth, I should say, dedicated to Carlton just to see how they go. Their game against Melbourne is a must win, obviously. And then rolling into next week, if they don't get the chocolates, then they're going to have to take down the red-hot Collingwood side to make the finals. So a lot on the line for the Blues. Let's see how they respond in the final two rounds of the season. Third item on the agenda, I want to quickly talk more about the Cleveland Browns. And I'm not going down the Deshaun Watson route. Today, I want to talk about their backup running back, Kareem Hunt. So 
Kareem Hunt burst onto the NFL scene back in 2019. He led the league in rushing as a rookie, which is pretty phenomenal. But then he was with the Kansas City Chiefs and he was released when a video surfaced of him basically kicking and pushing a woman, which is disgusting. But as what happens with a lot of these NFL dudes, he got another chance and he signed with Cleveland for two years and 12 million, which his talent probably means he deserves a bigger contract, but you know, he had to pay his dues after his misdiscretions off the field. And he's been in good form for Cleveland and apparently requested a contract extension. And then Cleveland has said, nah, we'll figure it out later. So then he said, no, trade me to which Cleveland also said, no, you contracted. We're not going to trade you. So more off-field shit going on with the Cleveland Browns. I did say last week that I think they're going to struggle on the field, and I'll be interested to see just exactly how they go. They've already got arguably the best running back or the best rusher of the football in Nick Chubb, but Kareem Hunt's formed a pretty lethal two to their one-two punch with him and Nick Chubb in that backfield. So they don't, they're don't in no urgency to pay Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb, like I said, has been a touchdown machine and a great running back for the Browns ever since they picked him up. So if he wants to stay, the Browns don't exactly need him, and they could come to an agreement and get another contract. But I don't know. Yeah, like I said, there's more crap going on off-field for the Browns. And while they don't exactly need Kareem Hunt, if they can keep him around at a reasonable price and he wants to agree to an extension closer towards the end of the season, I don't hate that idea. But him requesting a trade and then sitting out of a couple of training sessions isn't exactly positive news for the Cleveland Browns, but hey, at least they're consistent this offseason. Item number four, I don't cover a lot of tennis shit. I played a bit of tennis when I was younger. I'm a big fan of it, but Nick Kyrgios is always a big talking point for Australians, and I want to talk about the fact that he won a tournament. He won his first ATP title since 2019, which also came uh, in American's national capital of uh, Washington, D.C., so just over the weekend, he won the City Open over Nishiko- Nishioka, Nishiokora, Nishioka. I think it's Nish- pronounced Nishioka. But like I said, first title is won in three years. He's clearly in career best form, and we might see a big run from Kyrgios at the US Open. Later this month, that gets underway, uh, the back half of August and rolls into September. The last Grand Slam of the calendar as well. So this is a big opportunity for Nick Kyrgios to then End 2022 on a high. He's obviously done reasonably well this season. He was the runner-up at Wimbledon. And while a lot's been made about how he's performing and the fact that he's a brat and a tosser and a dickhead, like I've said on this podcast before, I actually still don't mind him as an actual tennis talent. His serving game and his power hitting was once again on display in his uh, ATP title win. So we intrigued to see what type of curious we get at the US Open. Does he do what he did at Wimbledon and kind of keep talking a lot of shit, but back it up on the tennis court? Or does he unravel kind of like we saw in that final and just, you know, crater fall in a bundle? He's, he's like I said, playing the best tennis of his career. So I think me and the rest of the Aussies uh, who are tennis fans will be eager to see what type of Nick Kyrgios we get uh, when Flushing Meadows does get underway later in August. Fifth item on the agenda, last piece of business. I want to talk about Buddy Franklin potentially going to Brisbane. And I mean, from a Brisbane standpoint, I actually love the idea. I think, gun to my head, he stays in Sydney. I can't really see the Swans letting him go. He's still producing at a reasonable level. It's not like he's on fumes. I know that the bloke's getting old, but I tell you what, he doesn't exactly look like he's 35 out there 
on the footy field. I know he played North on the weekend, but he kicked another bag and looked pretty impressive. And he has obviously been dominating for the better part of two decades from a football standpoint. He's kicked surprisingly, which I had to look up to double check. He's nearly bagged 50 goals this year and he kicked 50 last year for the Swans as well. I thought near 2020 when he was dealing with all these other injury issues that he was at the end of his career, he was going to pull the pin, but there's no reason why a buddy can't play beyond this season for another year, two, and then challenge another for another flag. I know he's got a couple under his belt, but it'll be interesting to see if he does want to stick with Sydney, should they go on a, a deep September run and maybe he emerges as a difference maker in September. We've seen him do it before, so maybe it'll happen again. Or could he go up to Brisbane, a team that desperately needs, they need to do something to try and change their fortunes. They're one and five in the finals over the last three finals campaigns. And they don't exactly have a, a big game player like Buddy. There's a lot of blokes who, you know, you look through the team sheet and you recognize the names. You've got Lockie Neal, Charlie Cameron. You could maybe say he's a big game player. Now, Hugh McCluggage, he's a bit of a star. He'll probably make the All-Australian side on a wing. There's some other guys in that forward line as well. Joe Danaher, a couple of other pieces who I'm blanking out. Eric Hipwood's no scrub. So there's no exactly need for Brisbane to go out and get Lance Franklin. But I tell you what, he's a bloke that puts bums on seats. I think he'd be worth signing, even if it is for a year, purely for the attendance and the membership uh, benefits that they'd get from having Buddy on their roster. But he might just prove to be the missing link that the Lions need to potentially challenge for a flag. Again, Watch this space. I still think he stays in Sydney. And let's see exactly how the Swans season finishes and what happens this September. But again, another bloke to watch over this offseason. It'll be very, very intriguing to see if there's any truth to these rumours of Buddy moving north to potentially end his footy career. That's all she wrote. Like I said, quick episode today. I'll be back on Wednesday to talk stuff with JLo. A couple of articles in the work as well, looking at potential NBA Hall of Famers. Uh, another one that I've been teasing for a little while that I've made a lot of changes on over the last couple of weeks about North Melbourne and what direction they should go in. And again, Dream Team Talk rookies piece will be up with a couple of award nominees as well. We're getting to the pointy end of the season. So cash cows and rookies aren't exactly dominating a lot of topics. So start to uh, talk about the rookies who deserve some recognition for what they've done in 2022. Thanks for tuning into this episode though. Always appreciate it. I'll catch you next time. 